Hello, and thank you so much for being here today. I have this special guest, and I just met her, but she's one of those people that you meet and you're just like, oh my gosh, I've known you all my life, and why didn't I meet you sooner? Because you have so much to share. And Alina Somano, Somnino, sorry, <laughs> which is, she is Italian, and you wouldn't know it when you first meet her, but you'll start, you'll catch up with this pretty quick. And so she's here with us today. You're going to love meeting her. And she has something to share with us, not just about the concept of us trying to change ourselves to get better, but the concept of joy and what joy means to us in our life. So thank you so much for being here. And let's chat with Alina. Hey there, Kelly here. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm honored to have you here. If you're looking for tips, habit shifts, and shortcuts to fitness consistency and the freedom that feeling great brings, you're in the right place. As the fitness consistency coach with a touch of adventure, I've been helping smart, busy women embrace fitness and long-term freedom for over 20 years. I am so glad you're here. Hello, and thank you so much for being here today. Hello, Kelly. I am delighted to be here today. And <laughs> it also feels like we've known each other for eons and should have been spending more time together. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Because oh, so, so, okay. For those of you who are listening, I actually got a chance to, to I was going to drop by the website and just get a couple of ideas today. And instead, I went down like an hour-long rabbit hole on this website because it's so amazing. And so tell us a little bit about, let's start with your book. I mean, your book is about inhabiting joy and you're about joy and joy is so important. So tell us how you got there, what you had to share, and let's let's hear all the deets. Yes. Though it's so funny. I'm like, I want to know what, tell me about the rabbit hole that you had done that curiosity core value <laughs> <All right>. of mine. <laughs> I'm like, let's make this about you. <laughs> but so inhabiting your joy to me is a lesson that I think has been literally knocking on the door of all of the walls of my life for years and years and years. And the moment I think that it all crystallized for me, and I didn't know it then, but it I've realized it after all these years, was when in 2004, I was a classroom teacher and I was prepping for my day. And I got a call from the office who said, you need to call your doctor. They, your doctor just called. You need to call them back. Great. Okay. So I did. And the doctor says to me, so I don't know how to tell you this but you're, we think probably about five weeks pregnant. And my response might surprise you because in that moment I burst into horrible, horrible sobbing tears. These were not happy tears and they should have been because more than anything in my life at that point, I was 30. Uh, I had wanted two things to be an elementary school teacher. Check, check was doing that. And to be a mom. But I had been told 
over and over again by the teams of doctors that had been with me since my Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis when I was 23, 24, that I would never be able to get pregnant. And that even if I did, it wouldn't be viable. And this doctor and I were in close contact because I had at that point recently picked the donor egg that I was going to receive because we had tried and I couldn't. And we were testing my body. I was weeks away from getting this donor egg that we'd gone through like all the binders. Cause at that point it wasn't digital. I mean, this was good stuff. <laughs> so here I was sobbing and kind of mad, right. not just kind of really mad. Right. Like, How, why this isn't fair. And that's not something that is really in my vernacular. Like this isn't fair. That's not who I am. But in that moment, I just wasn't myself. And the doctor listened let me cry. And then said, look, you can grieve or you can celebrate until the day you can't. And put like that, right. Put like that. I was like, Oh, sign me up. Option B. Like, it's not even a question mark. Right. With all of the uncertainty, the not knowing Put to me like that, it was very, very clear that I had a choice that I was being invited to make, right? I could stay in the frustration, the anger, or I could choose to celebrate something without any knowledge, without any certainty of what the outcome was going to be. Right. And that's who I've always been at my core. But it's, you know, when you're presented with it like that, it was literally option A. Option B, multiple choice, pick one. (laughs) And it didn't feel like it was going to be a, oh, you know, and and it is a choice that we get to make every single day, but it it was, I was so resolved when it was presented to me. So I went home that day. Well, before going home, I went to the CVS because I needed to buy a pregnancy test because I had to see it for myself. Sure, of course. (laughs) And I bought a journal where I started writing to my sweet, sweet baby. Right. And, and that to me is this idea of inhabiting your joy of realizing that we are the key stuff happens in our lives. That is sad. That is hard. That is challenging. Or it doesn't have to be a cancer journey. There are so many moments on any given day, big things, little things. And to remember that our joy isn't defined by a singular moment, It's this idea of choosing. And to me, the ingredients to make that choice, the things that help us make that choice are being rooted, right? So grounded, centered, present, but not just in the moment, in our bodies, in the truth of what makes you, you and me, me, right? Of being curious. So instead of seeing everything as a judgment or a fixing and, you know, all the things of allowing and being curious. And then tapping into our aliveness and our aliveness is a full spectrum of all the things. It's not just defined by the rainbows and unicorns. So with those three things, we can then make the choice to celebrate until the day we can't right? to choose to be the key that shows up for ourselves. So the more I, you know, it it took me a long time to kind of realize it and to, Oh, this is always what has made me me. And what I'm really here to talk about on this planet, because it is a choice and it takes effort and it's not always easy. And yet to me, it is always the, the, the path forward 
Right. Yeah. I can actually, I see that. So, so a question though, is if it's the path forward, what are some of the ways that you take those steps along the path? Like, like, how do you actually make this concrete? Yeah. Great question. Right. So for me, one of the places it always begins, if I think about getting rooted and I, you know, these three kind of pillars get rooted, get curious, be alive. They're also interconnected, but for me, the starting point is always my body. And whether that means coming into breath and just realizing that my body knows how to breathe (laughs) and it instinctively breathes, right. Or movement, right. Of feeling that connection to, to me through my body being present. And one of my very favorite, there are a few practices that I love to get rooted. One of them is a brain dump. Um, and it sounds, it, it, it is just what it sounds like, right. Of taking whatever is in your brain and giving it a place to live on paper. And though that is somewhat disconnected from the body, it helps you get into the body because one of the things that I think, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking right now, Oh, everyone's going to be thinking that works with me. Oh, she coached her on that answer. (laughs) (laughs) I promise I was not paid to say brain dump. (laughs) Brain dump and movement. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) Well, to me, So if I'm going to invite people to get out of their head, right, or to get into their body, I have to give them a place to go. And, and, but we also have to start where we are. And so it's this idea of decluttering and I, you know, a brain dump came to me, well, came to me, it's, it's not a new, I didn't invent it. Right. But it, I remember reading the, um, Julia Cameron's, the artist way years and years ago, where she talks about the morning pages, which are three pages, stream of consciousness, writing to cultivate creativity. But as I did that, what I recognized was I was honoring whatever thoughts I was having and I was giving them a place to live so that I didn't have to carry them forward. Isn't that so true? It is so true. Because when you do do that brain dump or whatever you want to call it, um, then all of a sudden you've cleared all this space in your head for something maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. And then, right, so once we're rooted, once we know, and another question that I love is, um, and I usually, again, start this in my body, what do I know for sure in this moment, right? So you can connect to that through through awareness, through senses in your body, you know, my feet are cold, <laughs> my whatever it is, for instance, I just looked up and not my body, but I see these two massive birds and it helps us be present and it helps us remember we're not talking about the past, we're not talking about the future, but in this moment. Because I don't know about you, but I'm an Olympic level overthinker and also <laughs> catastrophizer. <laughs> Gold medal winner, huh? <laughs> Gold medal, world champion. And so this question of what do I know for sure in this moment brings me back, right? In this moment, I know I am safe. I am, you know, surrounded by a dog who's sleeping, um, right? It, it, it just anchors me. And then once we get rooted, we can start to open up to curiosity to what is here for us, right? What can we notice? What can we allow instead of judge, instead of should, instead of all the things? And then we can tap into, okay, the possibility. So it's it's this idea of once we get rooted, then we can start to notice what's working instead of what's not working. 
that's a question that I, my clients will tell you, they're like, no, please don't start our call with the question. They literally, <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's coming, right? Of but questions are good. <laughs> yeah. But I love this because our brain is focuses on what's not working. It's, you know, on that negativity yes. bias. So beginning to actively say, but what is working? What, what's the progress that you can pay attention to? So those are some concrete, does that help? does. It does. I mean, I can see like, you know, what's the concrete thing? It's, it's something I say to my group is like track, track it, right? When you track it, you see it. When you don't track it, then we just make, quite frankly, make shit up in our heads about, oh, oh that's not working or, oh, whatever. And things are really, really easy to see when you're clear. <laughs> I so I love so I one of my even I'm one, I love tracking and I call it a keep like write your evidence down. So I have uh-huh. clients all over the country and world, I guess, because a few of them are international who have an evidence jar, literally. Um, it either some of for some of them it lives in an email folder, but for a lot of people, it's like a beautiful jar or vase or something. One of them, it's a you know, those like cookie tins, those metal cookie sure. tins. Um, but it's writing little notes down of the evidence, right? So whatever it is you want to be collecting evidence for, right? So moments where you celebrated, moments where something worked, whatever, where you felt strong, whatever it is your intention is, just write it down. It doesn't have to be, you know, a chapter. It just could be a little few words. I literally love the act of, I have these little gold, um, pieces of paper that I've just cut up. And so I have them everywhere just in case a moment finds me. I write it down, I fold it and I put it into my evidence jar. And I love watching as that jar, show me. (laughs) Okay, if you're listening on the podcast instead of watching on YouTube. So what I'm gonna do is I have to show my evidence jar. Isn't this amazing? It's it's made out of uh, yarn and it was actually, I guess, I don't know. I don't know how you do yawn, but it was knitted together or something. And it's just like all the stuff. And I keep it on my altar because I just find like, but I never thought about it as the evidence jar. Like usually I think about it as gratitude. And as soon as I say to myself, gratitude, it has to be something big, right? Like what's something amazing that happens today? But what if I was just saying, what's some evidence that my life is, is feeling pretty darn good right now? I can just write down on my little piece of paper. I met this amazing woman. Boom. In the evidence jar, right? I love it. It's so (laughs) so mine's over there. Um, Show and tell. Show and tell. I'd have to walk over the dog and then he might wake up. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) But it's, and the other thing is not only do you, can you see, I like, I'm a fan of having an evidence jar that evidence jar that you can see versus having it be something digital, because to me it's something that I I literally w- see every time I walk into my office or turn from my desk. The other thing is on the days that feel a little stormy, right? We're not ignoring those days because they happen, but we can go in and pull a piece of evidence and be reminded that things can be stormy and right? There is this other, there's this aliveness, there's this possibility of joy. There's, so it's, it's a, a reminder a of the of and. Yeah. yeah. There's so much we power. tend to be all or nothing. Like, it's true. Right. And 
If either or, so, either or, well, I'll share a very quick story. So my daughter's now 17 and she hates it when I tell the story, which is why I love to tell it. Awesome. Um, years ago, we were in Italy for three and a half, maybe four weeks and had done all these amazing things, hiking in near Cortina, like getting little um, strawberries, little fragoline, um, you know, finding them, who could find more than eating them and um, all of the things. We were also, we spent time in Venice, which is where we're from. And we had gone out to Murano, the island where they make this, all the beautiful glass, hand-blown glass. And we had gone for a coffee afterwards with a family friend. And she, this was also the age where she wanted to, you know, start experimenting a little bit of independence. She was like, can I go to the bathroom by myself? Right. And in places where that weren't that big and I could, sure, go for it. So we had practiced this, this in restaurants and different things. Here we are in this little bar, middle of the morning. And she goes to use the restroom. And then you kind of hear, actually, my family friend was like, was that, was that her? Like, was that Samantha's voice? Minutes passed. Okay, this is not long periods of time, but not, I'm not even sure, multiple minutes. Short amount of time, I go, she had locked herself in. She couldn't turn this, the knob, right? She no. couldn't get herself out. She and I remember it differently. I'm pretty sure there was space underneath the door. She would tell you it was a really long, big door. There was no way to get out. Okay. She got out. We get back to the U.S. after this almost month-long trip. So many experiences and people are like, Samantha, how was your trip? What did she talk <laughs> about? <laughs> the only thing that mattered about this trip was getting locked in the bathroom <laughs> and the hours that it took, right, to be rescued. So, but, but it's such a good reminder. Like, she had had gelato and Nutella to her heart's content. And yet that's what her brain wanted to focus on. Right. And so this idea of collecting evidence helps us work with our brain to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to actually invite you to, to like focus on this one thing. Cause when we focus on one thing, that's what we notice more of. Right. So yeah. Thank you for allowing me to oh. share my. I, I love story. that. I love that. And when I meet her, I just can't wait to ask her about the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. Tell us a little bit about the book itself, because mm. the book is kind of a deep dive, isn't it? Yeah. The book is a deep dive in a really accessible way, okay. meaning that the book is written as a book of nudges, because I have been called a nudger <laughs> um, by family and friends over the years, right? I'm always that person who has the question to help you kind of get out of your head. And part of the reason I wrote the book this way is because I needed to not self-sabotage myself in terms of questioning what was I going to write about. And so I needed to really allow this to emerge from me. And so the way that it's structured is it's divided into three sections, get rooted, get curious, get alive. And each section has somewhere between you know 10 and 15 nudges. And the nudges are written, there's a page of kind of context, a story, a snippet, and then the nudge itself. And so it's written, you know, you, I have people who are reading it page after page, you know, going in order. But the way that I almost thought about it was, it would sit on your desk or on your nightstand and you would just open it on any given day and the right nudge would find you that you right. need. And so I just, right. So I just opened it. Right. And the nudge that I, that I opened to was be alive. Number five, what can you open your heart to? 
And, and it talks about, right, do you ever limit how good you feel? Or perhaps there are limits to how much you let yourself feel. And this nudge is actually a yin yoga shape. So it's um, a shape, it's reclined bound angle. And there are, I think, six shapes in here to remind us that we can access, right? We can use our body to tap into our aliveness or our curiosity or our rootedness. Um, and so it's just got some questions and a little practice, right? Place your right hand on your belly and your left on your heart. Breathe in and breathe out and ask your heart, what am I ready to open up to today? I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, and what I've heard from people is that doing it like this in little bite-sized pieces makes it accessible, makes it realistic for people to play with these things that can be very deep dives, right? But in a way that doesn't feel daunting and overwhelming. And and not enough overwhelm. We, we do. really do. We it's really so do. nice to be able to just like to start small. Yeah. I was with a client yesterday and she she said that I don't know, she'd put alarms on her phone. She'd done all these things that she should be doing. And I truly want to talk about shoulds. Mm -hmm. And basically she's the problem, the problem in her head was that she didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. And so I said, what if, what's the smallest nudge? Like, what's the smallest nudge? 15 minutes, 15 minutes a day. And I'm like, I said, text me, text me every day after you do your 15 minutes. And I'm getting these texts. They're like, guess what? <laughs> and there's like happy emojis and hearts and stuff. And it's just a little touch, right? We can start small and it makes such a big difference. It does. And I, right, I have a thing against self-care, which I know sounds ridiculous for a life coach to say out loud, but I really, <laughs> because so many people put self-care on their to-do list and then you go and you do the thing, but you haven't absorbed it right? You're not right. bringing it forward. You immediately then go back Check it to your off. phone. Right. It's done. Versus ongoing tending, nurturing and nourishment, right? And so to me, coming to these nudges are like a regular tending practice. And right. I, somebody recently said this weekend, was like, you know, some of these have made me cry. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I mean, of course, right? And also, right? Yeah. And yeah. others are just going to feel delicious and delightful. And so it's this reminder that Right. However, we want to use these nudges. It's about that ongoing and consistent practice that we give for to ourselves that helps us create the change that we want to be and and that we are that thing that actually there's nothing else we need. Right. None of these nudges are rocket science. They're all all of the the clarity and the wisdom and the strength comes from you. And so my hope is that these nudges help us reconnect with ourselves and bring that version of our strength and our clarity and our power and our joy forward. I absolutely see that. And it's, I guess what I, I was really touched when I was on your website, because what kept coming up for me is something I read recently, and it was, it. I'm going to just paraphrase it. Basically, if you're trying to stuff the feelings that don't feel good, you are also stuffing the feelings that do feel good. So it's like you have to be, you have to have your allowance to yourself of all of the feelings. And I'm not sure we were taught that you can have, I mean, I know I was not taught. Like I, it was very, very clear to me as a child, my father would say, 
you put a smile on your face and you do, you act like you're happy. And I'm like, but, but actually I'm really not happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty annoyed at this moment in my life. But, but just that allowance of all the feelings, that is a little oh. bit what you're touching on in here, isn't it? Absolutely. Because to yeah. me, that's, I mean, if we think about aliveness, aliveness is the full spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just the rainbows and unicorns. It's also the storms. And, you know, there's all the you can't have sunlight without the storm kind of thing or daylight. And I mean, sunrise comes after, you know, after dark, it's dark and then it's sunrise kind of thing. But yes. Right. And it's it's that idea. I mean, it really is an allowing Kelly, mm-hmm. this, and I, like, I'm Italian and I'm Jewish. So we had big voices and talked <laughs> with our hands all the time. So there was a lot of feeling in my house and emotion, and perhaps there still is. Um, but this idea of being with it, befriending all of the parts of ourselves, right. Versus judging them. Mm. And, and that's where I think we, and I think about this in my body. So I love to leave yin yoga because we we sit in shapes and we stay there and the body talks to us, right? And we, we feel the hip or the back or the, the shoulder. And our first instinct is to like fix it, right? Or to change something about it or to judge it. Like, oh, I must have done this thing. Um, versus could we see it as a benevolent message from our body saying, knock, knock, like you're alive. Just be here with this. And there are things in life that need to be fixed, right? If you're bleeding, please put on a band-aid, of course. <laughs> right? Um, I, I broke my wrist in January um, on the day the book launched. Very funny or not. <laughs> um, I know. I don't I know. mean to laugh. I mean, oh no. Like I had to laugh because it was literally, I slid on the ice, fell, broke my wrist, my right hand, I'm right-handed. <laughs> I mean, the comedy of it, but but it, what's interesting is, A, I didn't need surgery, right? My body was going to heal itself. Yeah, it had to be put in a cast to protect it. But the body was going to heal itself, which is a lesson that I've been taught over and over again. And it was when I started kind of being with my wrist versus fighting it or being mad at it, it was kind of like, hey, maybe you could stop efforting and like trying to do all the things and just celebrate all this stuff. You wrote a book. Right. How about you celebrate? You wrote a book and, and it's coming out, right? But were right. you instead thinking about, oh, I've got to get this like, done and that done and got to do the stuff. Yes, I yeah, know. Right? Like, how how can I create this machine around the book? Which was never the intent of the book. <laughs> oh, by right. the way, right? The book was always going to be shared from friend to friend, talked about, played with. But as it happened, right, that like machine started speeding up of all of the, and, and I, I love you talk about crypt, um, kind of the things that are your kryptonites, right. right. And expectations are my kryptonite for sure. And curiosity is my antidote. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. We're going to have to put that quote on the website for you Yes, <laughs> because it's so true. Right. I mean, a lot of times we'll talk about kryptonite as, as if it's something we're trying to overcome, like a I don't know, sugar, you know, we talk about that a lot and stuff or not moving, but the truth is, is that it's, it is actually deeper. It is, it's feelings and actions and expectations. And, and those are the things that kind of hold us back. So let me ask you this, because you and I talked about this briefly before we went live about in our bodies, a lot of times 
we talk about how we need to fix things. And life is going to be better once it's fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you look at that? I mean, I'm there on any given day. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that none of us need to be fixed. (laughs) Right. So both is true. Like carrying those, that dichotomy, that's, it's, it's important. It's kind of a weird thing to do, but it's important, isn't it? It, Absolutely. And it's actually, it's that dichotomy and that kind of question when, because it sneaks up on me sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? I recognize, oh, I'm totally in fixing mode. And then, then I go to curiosity. Where, what could I allow? Where could I be curious if I weren't trying to fix or change this? I love to ask the question when I'm speaking to a new group. And I'm like, when was the last time you weren't trying to change something about yourself? And they all start looking around going, hmm. um, hmm. like two minutes ago. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, this was true for me so many times, right? I was a runner. I was a slow runner. I was a this, I was a that. Could I get faster? Could I do this? In fact, I kept running marathons to try to prove, to try to fix, to try to improve. And and that idea of improvement can be motivating for people. But for me, the thing that when I notice I'm there helps me kind of ungrip from it is the self-compassion piece of A, of course I feel this way. And B, like what might be here instead? So, you know, I mentioned the wrist, right? Yeah, broken wrist, not, you know, like I can't put any weight on it type thing. But rather than forcing it, because fixing to me also comes with force. Right. Right. An expected time. Sort of allow in a way. Yeah. But then, but then if you're somebody who's highly driven, like so many of the women I know and work with and meet, the idea of just allowing things, that sounds like a bogus, bogus right. thing, doesn't it? <laughs> They're like, what? Yes. 100%. Let's stop that stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is part of it, and maybe it's you know kind of a mindset or coming into presence with, because there's a very different energy, I think, when, so for instance, even if I go into like a workout or anything into my body, if I go into that workout thinking I need to out Peloton ride, whatever I ate the night before, that workout's going to feel a certain way it's versus gonna feel a little I'm gonna different. Sh- right. I'm going to show <laughs> up. I'm going to pick a teacher that I love or a music theme that like, and I'm just going to like be really present with what my body could do in this moment. So it's not to not have goals or want to, to, you know, kind of bring out our potential, but it's a very different, it's, it's treating yourself like your own best friend versus your own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true because you would, oh, let's say your puppy dog, right? You would never tell your puppy dog all the things that it should do, but you can just love it completely. And, you know, if we're doing, if we're doing a workout, then if we are having fun and enjoying it, such a different energy, right? Yeah. And I heard once, right, it's that question of, you know, sometimes we do things because we're trying to get rid of stress, right? And like workouts are a great way to release stress. Yes. But the flip question is what I love. What do you have to gain? Mm. Right. So versus the, I'm doing this to fix my mood. Okay. But what might you gain? 
right? So maybe it's, you know, I, I, I think a lot about like getting breathless. So I used to, let's talk about fixing. Years ago, I went on, it was my first kind of wellness retreat. And it was a hiking and weight loss and all the things retreat in British Columbia. And so we would hike anywhere from two to four hours a day. And on the first day, they kind of put you, you go out for a hike and then they kind of put you into pace groups so that people, you know, can feel challenged, but also safe. (laughs) And I was in the second pace group from the front and I've had chemo, right? I've had chemo in my life. The way that they described the first chemo treatment that I had was that it likely wouldn't have a fertility impact, but it would likely give me uh, lung damage, which it did. And so there I was on these hikes, breathing hard and heavy, right? And it was like the sound just kept getting louder and louder and louder in my head. And on day three, you check in with the director and you kind of have an intention, you know, you came with this intention. Is it still there? How are you feeling? And I was like, Kirkland, I, I think I need to move back to another pace group. Like I'm not, I'm breathing too heavy. Like I'm not made for this, right? Like fix, fix, fix. I'm not enough. I'm keep, I'm holding people back. And I'm crying. And here's this like very tall man. And he was like, he, he let me cry. And he was like, okay, do you really think that nobody else is breathing heavy? Like, <laughs> do you think right. nobody else feels like they're the ones right. holding everyone back? <laughs> right. And then he was like, so he goes, look, if you really want to move to a different pace group, that's fine. But not because you think you're not enough because that's a load of all the things. So, so what, what might be here? And so in terms of like, what do I have to gain? Also vulnerability with the others to say, you know, in terms of allowing myself to be who I was, belonging, right? There were so many things that I could gain when I just stopped thinking that I needed to be fixed or that I was broken. Because you just weren't enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And this comes up, you know, I'm, the body is just such a miraculous thing. It is full of so much magic and possibility. And yet I think we squash all that magic and possibility when we think it has to look a certain way, perform in a certain way, be a certain thing from, from all of our parts. <laughs> Isn't um, it true? And yep. right. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking when you were telling that story, I'm thinking in my head and what I would have been doing was I would be doing everything I possibly could to be in that faster group mm-hmm. that, you know, and I was like, wow, Kel, still <laughs> at this age, I would still have been doing that. And it's yeah. interesting when you say that because it is so, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Because now I have You're to think welcome. about that one. Well, yeah. right. And I mean, the other, so I ran five marathons between 2000 and let's say 2015. And I stopped running because I realized that I could not practice acceptance when I was running. It was always about a faster time, a this, a this, a that. Right. And so I, and at that point I had found my yoga practice and yoga was like the ultimate teacher of acceptance because on any given day, morning or night, right to left, the body was going to be different. And so I literally said, okay, I'm not allowing, I mean, I'm a little like all or nothing. That's a whole conversation for another time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to run until I can run for fun with zero expectations. And it took years. Like I'd keep getting this little nudge. Maybe it's time. Nope, not time. Because as as I thought about it, I was like, oh, nope, not time, not time. Until about a year ago, 
I started, I, the nudge kept coming, the little whisper of, hey, because I had started running on the treadmill a little bit and I was kind of having fun and feeling good. And then I was like, all right, well, what if I did? So then I decided, all right, well, if I can, from this place, I wonder what could be possible with another marathon. <laughs> Total curiosity, which was fine at first. But then I could literally, like I could feel myself, the machine was starting to churn again. And that's about when my wrist and oh. I happened. And what's funny was the, uh, the orthopedist said to me, well, you could totally still keep training for a marathon. And she's like, you want me to run for three, four hours with a cast on my <laughs> arm and get sweaty? No, <laughs> that sounds gross. Right? Fast, right. But it was also this really interesting reminder of like how I had, even with this thing that I was approaching at first with curiosity, the best possible intention for me was starting like I was I was going into that danger zone of expectation. Of course. Of course. We and do it. We all do it, right? We do it. And so it's catching ourselves. It's not about it not happening, but to me it's the catching of myself on any given day to be like, oh yeah, here too. Okay. Peel back. So yesterday actually somebody said to me because the marathon I was supposed to run was this last weekend. We're like, well are you going to do it next year? Because I deferred I'm like actually I think I won't do the full. I'll do, maybe I'll do the half. Because it's, it's this idea of it has to, it has to feel like it, it fills me up versus it's something that I'm trying to prove. So. Yeah, no, I, I, something that I love to do is whitewater kayak and I'm not that great at it really. And what I catch myself doing so much is, is I don't live somewhere where I can, so I have to travel to do it. And then it's all about the proving all of a sudden. And I've caught myself so many times lately. I'm like, you know what? Stop this stuff, Kelly. It's not about the proving. It's about the fun. And if you aren't having fun, then dial it back. Yes. Just dial it back. Yeah. And that fun, I think we can access when we come from a place of fullness versus mm -hmm. depletion, right? Oh, so if yeah. I think about why inhabiting your joy, right? I was just talking with a client earlier this morning and she has become, she's really worked, part of her practice has been, she's been connected to a tree, which not physically, but back in the winter, right. she kind of chose a tree in her yard and she decided she was going to go either look at it from inside if it was freezing cold or go be with it a few times a week to see how it changed in the seasons, to see what else the tree, like what was the tree home to, all of these things. So she has literally been rooting herself, but filled by watching kind of everything happening with this tree and then not being as grippy with other things in her life because she was feeling full, right? So that sense of contentment that we get instead of that graspy. And so when we can fill up on things that are working, on the curiosity, the delight, the deliciousness of it all, then we can approach other things and allow them, right? Yeah, we can. We can. And we're yeah. coming from a different vibration when we do that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I am taking up all your time, but let me ask you just two quick questions. Mm -hmm. One of them, um, the book, I'm assuming that not only is it available everywhere, 
Um, isn't it, did you have a special place that people could buy to support local bookstores? Did I see Absolutely. That? Yes. Bookshop.org. So you can go to bookshop.org and support your local bookstore when you purchase there. So I love independent bookstores and small bookshops there. They make my heart happy. So yes, that's a great place um, awesome. to go. And if you go to, and I think you said, we'll put the link in the show notes, yes. but on the, the book page, that is the first link and you can go there and find it. I was a couple of days ago, I drove through a shopping center and there was a bookstore and I got so excited because I haven't seen a bookstore in I don't know how long. <laughs> so yes. also, um, do you want to talk about your retreat really quick or do you want to sure. send people there? Why don't you talk about your retreat? Cause I'm like all over this retreat. The one in Mexico. <laughs> the one in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the nurture and nourish you retreat is in January 2023 at a retreat center um, in near Sayulita, Mexico, which is just north of Puerto Vallarta. And this is a place, I mean, to say that it's magical would be like the understatement of the century, but literally the entire week is spent in the open air finding ways to nurture and nourish yourself with yes, yoga, but the, also the most delicious food and local adventures. We go, we have a surf lesson day because that's the first place that I decided I wanted to try to learn to surf. And that's a story for another time, but it's just, and there are whales in January and the casitas, everything Kelly is open air. So the casitas only have three walls. You sleep with the sounds of the birds and the ocean, and it's magical. And I'm super excited that I have a friend and colleague, a master facilitator for Body Groove, which is she's coming right. with us. So Heather's going to be there. And Groove is like dance meets yoga meets your five and skipping around the playground. And so really this beautiful way to access embodiment. So this retreat is, we went uh, this last year, I had been there before, and it's just the most delicious place in the world. Hummingbirds and butterflies and all of the nature. Um, so yes, join us and you can find information on my website about that. Definitely but, link to it after I get yeah. my spot first. So um, <laughs> <laughs> not that I don't allowed to share, but, and then I mean, tell us a little bit about, you have a free gift for the crew. So tell I us do. About that real quick. Yeah. And it actually goes to this thing that we were talking about towards the end of like filling up, right? So there's um, about a 12 minute ish practice, uh, a yoga practice. You can do it really on your bed, on the floor, on the floor, on a yoga mat, on a blanket, anything that's comfortable, but to help you fill up on finding your joy. So it's a practice to get into your body and it really goes through the, you get rooted, you get curious and you get fully alive with, with gratitude and what's working. And it's this sense of like allowing your heart to be filled up. So you can find that at sunriseinyourpocket.com backslash find your joy, I think. And there's, it's just a beautiful practice that you can do on any day to, to fill yourself up because we get to do that. We get to fill ourselves up. I'm excited to try that and I will definitely link to it in the show notes. And so you'll find out everything you can in the show notes, but thank you so much for being here. I could talk to you for hours, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kelly, so much for allowing me to be part of your community. It's a great honor and delight. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you again so much for listening today. 
I truly appreciate the opportunity to connect. If you're ready to incorporate fitness consistency into your life, I'd love to help. I have a special gift for you. If it's a struggle to stay consistent with your fitness and you're ready for all the energy, vitality, and feeling great you can have, go to my website, fitisfreedom.com, and on the homepage, you can get a free copy of my Consistency is Key Masterclass, plus a fitness plan you can follow along with, guaranteed to get you started on your path to being fit and free forever.